Previously on the Galactica Quorum. We have a lot to discuss, so we're going to forego a lot of the things we usually do at the beginning of the show. We have viewer mail. We did get a voicemail. We will play it next time, I promise. Uh, there's no need to get... Uh, because it's not 100% that they're Cylons. The only person who said we're Cylons is the chief. My question this time to anyone is to uh, ask if any of you have been to a sci-fi convention or con, you know, are your experience with that. So I'd like to hear that. That'd be interesting. They're the band, and so they're practicing. Do you remember in episode number... Ty, what the hell, man? I thought we were brothers. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is episode 18. We're legal, baby. Our website is galacticaquorum.com, and our email is gquorum at gmail.com. That's G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And our voicemail is 206-2020-BSG. Please visit our website. On our website, we have forums where we talk about the Battlestar Galactica show, obviously, and things we mentioned on the podcast. We have a Frapper map that's on our main website under the Dratus link at the top. You can go and put your little pin in there, and we have a tip jar. And I want to mention, if you have a BSG podcast, send us a line, and we'll mention it. If you have a BSG website, Send us a line. We'll mention it. If you have a sci-fi podcast or website, let us know. We'll promote anybody. The more the merrier. <laughs> and don't forget to promote us. We'll scratch your back if you scratch ours. Yes. How's that? Back. Okay. I want more than back. All right. You know what? I forgot the introductions. I'm Brian, and with me today, full quorum. I'm Dimitri. Michelle. Jason. And loyal listeners would have known that well, we have had other... We, well, we have had a special episode where we had other honorary members of the quorum. So, let's get some uh, news and stuff out of the way. First of all, the season's over, so we don't have an episode per se to talk about. We're going to catch up on some things. Now, we've been getting questions about what we're going to do for the hiatus. And what our plans are, we are going to keep doing occasional shows. We're going to report on cons. We're going to talk about some of our prop updates and various news that might come up. Probably will not be weekly but we will be doing them probably every couple weeks. And also, we have an idea to do a variant of our show where we talk about, instead of just Battlestar Galactica, we talk about a mix of sci-fi shows like Heroes, Stargate, and we were going to do sort of a virtual season of Firefly because Jason's never seen it, and we can kind of go through that and watch it as if we were watching it on a weekly basis. So that's our plan for that. The only question is, and it's sort of an internal debate that we have, is... Do we make that show a new podcast called something else? Or do we continue to call it Galactica Quorum? I am of the opinion that it should be called something else because it's about something else. It's not Galactica, but Michelle and Dimitri don't think so. Well, what Michelle and I are saying yesterday is I think we should keep the entity. We can easily update the website to include a second row of links maybe that explain what we're doing now. And on the iTunes, it's easily we can add a second paragraph saying in the off-season, we're going to talk about these things. But I think we're growing, and I don't think we should basically start from zero. My other thing is, is if we do this new podcast under a different name and do it as a different feed, it's not updating the Galactica Quorum, and we will most likely be deleted off iTunes. Not necessarily. Both feeds could have the same content. 
I don't know. I don't want to annoy someone who's subscribed thinking they're getting a Battlestar podcast. Well, that's why we well, say we're in the off season. But if they're subscribing and they're listening to this right now, then they'll know after listening to this episode that it's going to be the same thing. If we'll they go try. to our website, they're going to see there's going to be a blurb that's going to hang out on the top that just says, this is our off-season format. This is what we're doing. Okay. So it sounds like we'll go ahead and we'll do that. Go ahead and send us feedback. I mean, if you hate the idea, if you love the idea... I don't want to make people work to like click a button to you know subscribe one more feed, well, but I also don't want to. You've got what do they call them now? Galactica Quorum, what like episode whatever? Yeah. Okay, Galactica Quorum off season number one. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. you're a genius. Oh wait, I take that back. I don't want to blow up this head any further. Do not edit that out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Galactica Quorum, the off season episode one, or the interregnum episode one, or. I think Wait, we should, waiting patiently for season four. <laughs> I don't. I don't read much, but I think interregnum should be used as the word because I think that's right. a cool sounding word. Do you know what it means? No, not really. An interregnum is the period between two events. Sweet, I like it. News for cons: Grand Slam fifteen is April thirteenth to fifteenth. That's in Burbank. Oh, unfortunately, that conflicts with the National Grits Festival in St. George, South Carolina. So I won't be attending. <laughs> okay. Sorry, can't make it. Uh, that one will be attended by, sorry, not Jason, but you will see Katie Sackhoff, Jamie Bamber, and Michael Truco. There is another con in Denver, Starfest. That's April 20th to the 22nd. That will have Kate Vernon. And there's one in Australia, Supanova, Brisbane. We're so going. Oh, yeah, we're going to that one. That one will have Aaron Douglas. So that's the ones for now, and I understand Dimitri has something for us. I do. I had a thought. <laughs> that's more than a thought. <laughs> well, I had a thought, and so I, I decided to take my thought and research it, and so I came up with a little essay. My essay is titled, Where is the Battlestar Galactica? The velocity or speed of a radio wave radiated into free space by transmitting antenna is equal to the speed of light. 186,000 miles per second or 300 million meters per second. So in one year, light or a radio wave can travel about 10 trillion kilometers. More precisely, one light year is equal to 9 trillion 500 billion kilometers. So with this knowledge, if the recording that Ty, Tyrrell, Anders, and Tori heard was the original recording by Bob Dylan from 1967, then they would be approximately 380 trillion kilometers from Earth. But as my wife and I suspect, the recording in the season finale was re-recorded special for the show so as not to incur royalty fees, then they would be approximately 9 trillion 500 billion kilometers from Earth. But if you remember back to the season finale when Starbuck showed up next to Apollo in her Viper, the quote-unquote camera zoomed out of that galaxy and zoomed across space, running into the next galaxy in line. Ours. The distance to the nearest galaxy from Earth is the Andromeda Galaxy, which is 21 quintillion kilometers. That's 21 followed by 18 zeros. So, if you then divide that number by the distance of one light year, you will find that they are in or near the Andromeda Galaxy, it will take them 2,210,526 years to get to Earth, or one hell of a lot of FTL jumps. The end. Because <laughs> I figured... It's intriguing. So, you know, you're, you're completely eliminating, like, wormholes, mm-hmm. 
special antennas that boost signals. They haven't passed the wormhole yet, and we don't know if there are any wormholes. I don't think there are any wormholes between here and Andromeda. Are you assuming that then that the signal originated from Earth, that they heard that? Well, they had to because Bob Dylan is on Earth. Right. Maybe Bob and they're, and they're tr- And they're trying to find Earth, so it all comes back to Earth. I mean, it's not like they're trying to find oh, Zadon or something. I applaud the effort. It's fantastic. It just says one of two things. They've got to take a giant leap in technology to find Earth, or you know, you end the show with them never finding it, like still looking. Right. And if they do make it, the only thing the only people will recognize will be the Cylons. After I read this to my wife, she said... Well, the next question then would be, how far do they get on one FTL jump? Is there a limit to an FTL jump? I mean, when they jump, they always jump from here to there. Clearly, there's a limit, because if there wasn't a limit, then they would just, you know. You'd be there. You'd, you'd be there. It seems like the limits to their jumps are computational, because when they had the Cylon module from the Raider that they plugged in, it allowed them to jump further. For some reason, its technology was such that it allowed them to go more, it's, because they always say we have to calculate a jump, and that seems like maybe they're gathering astronomical data for the current fix of all the current stars in the sky or whatever. So they don't jump, so they don't into, jump into one. Belt and so they can star. plot to a certain point based on that. Right. But each time they get to a new point, they've got to do it again. So I guess it kind of depends on their data that they have at the time, which probably means the further they go out from their home, they have less and less data. You'd think maybe when they were in their colony system... Most of that data would be brought up really fast, and it's probably there in their systems, you know, almost at the ready. But now they're way out there, right. so it would probably take longer. You know how before we were poking jabs at the fact that they use like an old phone where they have to crank it up in order to talk, and it's all like <laughs> they got the old school radio at the makeshift bar in the hangar, and like really old or low tech technological things. I think that in order to build ships that can travel. What is it? Nine trillion five hundred billion kilometers an hour. They probably just wasted or spent all of the resources to get the FTL drive to work, and they forgot about the radio. They're the exact opposite of us. Yes, we can communicate like crazy, but we can't leave orbit. Right. <laughs> and they're the exact opposite. Right. Let's get to some viewer mail, and we have a voicemail. The voicemail comes from Marco in Houston. Hey, my name is Marco Lopez. I'm calling from Houston. Uh, I'd like to first say that I love your quorum. It's great. I just wait, wait to hear it every, every time you guys uh, put it up. Now for my comments on the Sun also rises. What the crap? I mean, come on. Are you, you mean to tell me that some tinny-ass reporter is just going to walk right into Baltar's office? I mean, a gay jail cell? Just with no security whatsoever? Anyway, I didn't, I didn't really find that very, uh, you know... Very amusing. Anyway, also, um, you know, I've always liked Lee Adama up until today, and I know you guys hate him and everyone hates him. I, I like Lee, but I think he's an idiot. I mean, why the heck do you want to screw um, Rosalind like he did? Anyway, just wanted to say that. Give you a shout-out, and uh, keep the good work. Listen to you every week. Bye. Thank you, Marco. We had discussed that a couple times about how we thought it was kind of preposterous that Baltar's access... To the public at large, there's just way too much access that he was given. I agree. You know, he was the president. You know, president's gone bad. Should be so locked up. There should be bars, glass, all kinds of solitary confinement. Videos on him all the time. Anybody he talks to should be. It should be videotaped. There should be guards watching. There should be no 
here's my son, touch him, make him feel better. Here's a pen. Here's a pen. Commit suicide. I mean, it's just... Re- Here's my son. Touch him. Yeah, you're gonna be great. You're gonna be a great father. Um, but there's an altruism that applies to that, which really Saddam Hussein kind of disproved. But it says, and I'm gonna get this sort of wrong. If you kill one person, they'll put you on death row. If you kill ten people, they'll put you in an insane asylum. If you kill ten thousand, they'll exile you to some country where you live out the rest of your life in some fabulous mansion surrounded by guards that won't let you out. Napoleon. Yeah, Napoleon, the Nazis, you know, some of the African dictators. It's just, the more you kill, there's some kind of weird thing about this. Like, well, he was a leader. We can't just stick him in jail. Several podcasts ago, I put a call out for people who have been to cons, and I got a response from the colonialfleet.org forums, which again, I want to give a plug out to them because they have a really good forums for mainly it's for props and costumes, but they also mention uh, a lot of the cons that they've attended because you make your costumes, you go to the cons. And it's so much easier to read their boards. And the, yeah, their board is really nice. Now for a recent one that took place, it was the All Con in Dallas. Mario, who is uh, known as Maglite on that forum, he went and that was the one that had Kate Vernon and Luciana Caro, Ellen Ty and Kat respectively. And one of the things he said that was brought up was they had a panel where they were talking about their roles on the show and whatnot. And Kat was about to mention a scene that she had filmed in Maelstrom, but she hesitated. And she and Kate Vernon put their heads together, whispering for a while. But then they said it was okay to reveal the scene they were talking about. So the scene she said she filmed was for Maelstrom. And in it, she says that while Starbuck was going down, Kat pulls up next to Kara's Doom Viper in an all-white Viper in a white flight suit. And Carl looks over at Kat, and Kat winks at her and says, I got your six Starbuck, let's go in. But that totally reminds us of that one original Battlestar episode where the crew wears the all-white. They're on the funky ship with the aliens, and the Viper turns white, and yeah. Apollo's dead, but Sheba and Starbuck walk in, and everybody's uniforms like goes white. like the, It's like a reverse blacklight, almost. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Apollo's alive again. Very weird. So, what were they calling it? The Viper of Light or something? Well, the original episode was called Ship of Ships of Light, Ship of Light, Ship of Lights, some, yeah, along those lines. And in a way, it's an homage to the original. So yeah, that seems like it would have been a little out of place. The rest of this episode was kind of serious and dark. And you knew something was coming, and that would have been like a Obi Wan Kenobi flying over your shoulder. Yeah, it would have been well, a little like, ridiculous. If we did see Kat in the Viper and she said, follow me, or whatever the text was, the question of whether Starbuck is dead or not would have been less. I think we would have then assumed that she's not dead because Kat Kenobi sent her to the clouds to die. And then it would have been like, well, there's definitely a reason for that. There's a higher power was telling her to do something. So, A couple of the notes from that con... Mario was talking about how Luciana was very personable. I mean, she talked with a lot of the fans and hung out with them, and they made mention that she seemed really giddy about being there. Because that was her first con, right? Yeah, it was her first con that she'd been to, so... She's not jaded yet. Wait till you've been to a few. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember an episode number... <laughs> it always goes back to Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it's the gold standard. It is the gold so standard. So I'm hoping that she does a few more cons because, you know, I'd love to meet her. That'd be cool. Let's move on to some other mail we got. This one is from Brian, and he has some thoughts on Crossroads Part 2. He says, We still don't know what Baltar said to Butterfingers in the cell before getting that sudden pain in the neck. 
Yeah, I wonder what he did. And actually, we don't, but according to Ronald D. Moore, what he said was something to do with the Sagittarian plotline. That was something that really ticked him off. Since we didn't go there with the trial, he could have also said, if I go down, you're going down with me. Yeah, it could have been. You know, the intention originally was something about the Sagittarian plotline, but it could be anything. Uh, Next, an observation that Zarek and Baltar have switched places. Zarek is the terrorist with the following, who is now the vice president, and Baltar, who was the vice president, is now a traitor with the following. But where is Zarek? Is he back on the prison ship? Maybe they've converted the prison ship. They, I they, just don't understand. Maybe they're like, trying to gussy up the prison ship. He maybe. made this big ultimate comment about this being a total whatever. Yeah, I was And then he doesn't he show up for... Didn't he say something like, this is going to get really bad? And I got the impression that he didn't want to be around. If he thought it was going to get really messy and then there would be riots and then there would be an uprising, and I think that was his out. He, that's why he's not around. It's because he didn't want to be there when the proverbial hit the fan. Next, he says that he doesn't think that Ty, Anders, Tyrrell, and Tori are silent, but gets a giggle out of them thinking that they are, but wonders who will be the first to break, in other words, spill the beans to somebody else, and will any of them talk to Athena or Six about it? I think Tyrrell will be the first. I think Tyrrell will be so freaked out by it that he'll end up going and talking to Athena. He's going to go talk to Athena, definitely. Yeah. I thought they'd pretty much been confirmed as so. It's been confirmed that they're silence. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe it's a sport. I don't know. This well, how, can how kind of be considered firm because I mean, Ronald D. Moore has said he said that they were. It's been hard silence. to avoid that on every time he's spoken about the episode, he said they're silence. They're a different kind of silence. Yeah, he's saying yeah. they're a different kind of silence. They're not. Oh, uh, yeah. sorry, I don't listen to Ronald D. Moore. So if you don't listen to Ronald D. Moore and you just watch the show, it hasn't been confirmed. Yeah. Ronald D. Moore could just be kicking you in the nuts, making you think about these. Well, things. he did that great, with Starbuck. Great point because I just saw the thing about Starbuck. A couple of episodes before she died, there was a story that came out about her interview on, like, an Oregon radio station where she pretty much spilled the beans about her death, and it was basically portrayed as she was kind of bitter about it. Like, it was a big thing about how she wanted to leave the show or she was just kind of difficult to work with and she was being written out and all this. Well, now it's come out that it's like, basically, she and I said, yeah, we really made all that up, too, because, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we were going to kill her off, but not really kill her off, but we wanted to make it real. It's almost like they were reacting to the internet and spoilers and right. podcasts. They put out a whole offensive, like, yeah, she's gone. And now they come out and say, yeah, suckers. So It's possible. Reverse marketing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. possible. I don't know if they could pull that off twice. And, and I haven't actively been going out reading interviews and listening to all this stuff. It's kind of just out there, and I've just absorbed it. If you well, read headlines. If you just read a headline, it's, it's hard to avoid. And so I really don't care if Ty, Tori, and Anders are Cylon. I would be a little bummed if Tyrrell was, but you know, if he has to be, then whatever. Good point, because we've become invested in Ty and Tyrrell, whereas I think Tori and Anders have been kind of fringe players yeah. for the most part. It affects me more that it's Ty and Tyrrell. They're going to have to be so totally different than the Cylons we know. I mean, they're going to have to be completely, completely different because, I mean, why would the Cylon, like, high command let Anders just continuously exterminate bullet heads after bullet heads back on the planet before Starbuck came to rescue him? That's just a super huge waste of resources. They'll make more. They're not... uh, Deities, they can't just, they run out of stuff as well. So, my impression material then, from what you're saying is you still don't believe that they are Cylons. I don't believe that they are Cylons, but if you guys are convinced and Ronald D. Moore is telling me through you <laughs> that they are, Speaking they're going to have to be so totally different. Like, yeah. they're gonna, 
they don't have a resurrection ship, or they yeah. have. Uh, or maybe the 13th. maybe they have a. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they are the thirteenth. Maybe colony. the thirteenth tribe were called Cylons, mm-hmm. and everybody forgot that. Yeah, I think Michelle's right. Tyrrell's the one, though. I do like the idea of a drunk tie, like spilling the beans to yeah. Adama. To Adama, or something. Yeah. Adama. Chris Adama's heard him talk about music in the halls. <laughs> He's going to be like, well, okay, you drunken ass. Now yeah. You're telling me you're silent now. All right. I've you're heard so many stories insane. from you. Here's another thing he brings up. When or if Galactica arrives at Earth, we've been given two hints as to the time period. The first, of course, is the music. No matter the source of the song, it has to be after it was created. The second is in the final shot of Earth. The West Coast and the Gulf are completely lit up. The Earth is heavily populated. I don't quite agree with that. I watched it again. It looks to me like whatever the little bits of light that are on the west coast is just the mountain ranges that are a little bit higher elevation and his last thought was in the scene with six baltar and hera where they see the five white robed figures why are there six white strips hanging on the wall behind them i noticed that i had that I in my that notes too. and it was one of those things was like well it's just the architecture and are we supposed to draw something out of the fact that there were six lines of architecture that were coming down instead of five well, the previous five. ones has it only been five i don't know no, I, I remember that too. Maybe God about it. Was it the way the lights came through and it just created six spots on there? No, it was. Or, or are we supposed to infer that there's now a sixth position waiting for someone? That's what Hera. I inferred. Hera. Maybe Hera, yeah, because it wasn't just beams of light. It was actual, almost like a tapestry that came down from the ceiling and then hit the floor and then came down and went across the floor. Well, that won't make sense about Hera if uh, Tyrrell's a Cylon because then Nikki would be a half-breed so yes. then there should be uh, seven. seven. Yeah. Or are they trying so to maybe those them? are the actual seven Cylons and then Tyrrell and his gang are the next four and then Starbuck is five and that's the actual twelve and the first seven are just Right. Are Nothing. The, <laughs> right. Are the, fir, are the four quote-unquote new Cylons we know now, are they really the first hybrid Cylons? That maybe it did happen once before, and their parents were one Cylon and one human. Dun-dun-dun! So much sweet, you know. It's, it's so wide open right now. No one has any idea. There's all these people giving that's why they're not coming back for nine. That's why they're not coming back for nine months. They're sitting there trying to... There's a big board somewhere right. in the room going... Wait, we can't do that because we've already done this over here. Right. they got to make sure they don't write themselves into a corner. Joe, go listen to the Galactica Quorum podcast again. What do they say? <laughs> right. And we okay. have nine months to talk about. You've got the guys in D.C. or that area. you got the guys in Houston. you got the guys in South Africa. Check the fanboys. Make sure they're not catching us on any mistakes. <laughs> okay, let's move on to an email from Ed. Ed says he didn't have a problem with all along the watchtower, although one of his friends was really bothered by it. And I think it's about 50-50. I mean, me and Jason really didn't like it. You guys didn't mind it so much. It wasn't so bad. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of split along those lines. Now, he mentions the show composer, Bear McCreary. He writes a blog, and in it he talks about how he was tasked to come up with this song for the episode. And in it he writes, and I'm just going to paraphrase, that I have to admit that at first I thought Ron might be going crazy. I happened to catch Ron in the hallway and had a brief conversation and got what I needed to know. I learned the idea was not that Bob Dylan necessarily exists in the character's universe, but that an artist of one of the colonies may have recorded a song with the exact same melody and lyrics. Perhaps this unknown performer and Dylan pulled inspiration from a common ethereal source. Yes, peyote. Divine inspiration. Yeah. Okay. Sort of like the uh, mythical archetypes that go across all the... That's kind of what I thought it was. And they were all in the room and they were humming it. That just, that irritated me. Why? 
because it sounded cheesy for all of them to be humming it together. It was just what you're missing, Michelle, is that they're the band, and so they're they're practicing. And what they're missing is their lead singer, who is Starbuck. As soon as she comes in, they're going to concert. It all kicks in. So it's going to be like the Brady Bunch when they became a band. No, it's more like when the no. Dixie Chicks replaced the original singer with Natalie Maines, and that's when it really started working. Oh, okay. Or when the Beatles got rid of the drummer and brought in Ringo. Oh, okay. You know, it's almost there, but they're, we're missing a piece. I see. Okay. Maybe they just need Hera to play, like, the cymbals or something. No, no, no. Triangle. Hera's a roadie. Triangle. <laughs> She's a roadie. <laughs> Let's see. He also says, lastly, glad to see Starbuck back, but you are right that her death is too short. Well, I thought it was too short. Everyone else didn't think so. She's but not her, dead. How could it be short? <laughs> well, her, her absence was short. I think, going back to this, I think if you watch the series like in a DVD set, like from season three, from the first one to the end, my thinking is you'll see that when she dies and within three episodes she's back, it will seem like it's too short. It didn't seem short, perhaps, because... Everyone watched it over a span of like a month. But really, in the arc of the show, her being gone for that short a time, it, to me, it seems short. And if her and Lee start going back on this, their little Lee Starbucks deal again, believe me, everyone's going to be like, oh, God. They won't be able she to because that'd be necrophilia. But obviously, but she's she was dead. gone long enough for uh, Anders to get over her and start hooking up with other chicks. Anders had gotten over her before she died. Yeah, I mean, they were, she wouldn't let him sleep with her, and they didn't even live together. She had basically pushed him out, and they, towards the end, they met for that, just conjugal visits, but yeah, they didn't have that, a relationship. That relationship was over. They went from husband and wife to friends with benefits. That's about it. All right. I'm right. I, I thought he was pretty bummed up about it. I thought he was. He was well, no, he, that was the last vestige. For the most part, he was over it. Next email is from Free Disposition. Why exactly is Anders trained to be a pilot? He's described as being a master of guerrilla warfare, and yet he's going to get into a cockpit. And actually, I should have mentioned that the subject line of this email is, you know what this show needs? A Marine character. If well, you were to become a Marine, an officer, of course, it opened up a new aspect of the colonial military beyond the Marines being guards and red shirts. And I, who was I by talking with one of you guys that I thought one aspect of the show they really would be cool if they had a Marine contingent, just another aspect of the military. I totally agree with that. I, I think that they... They've sort of brought them well, in now. I mean, but they have some Marines, fleeting. but really, they don't... What do you need with a ground force Marine guerrilla warfare guy when all your enemies are in planes and ships yeah. and they fly around? I mean, if Well, they, because if they do like a lot of... That's the thing. They do land on planets. They do board other ships. And we've seen that in various episodes where they have to storm yeah, a ship. But they have, they have Marines for that, but they don't need... I know, but we don't know them. But I, if you introduce... But, if you try to make the Marines more regular then you actually have to have more instances of ship uprisings or planetary stops. And I don't... I mean, the Marines they have are the guys want. in black. I mean, they have yeah. they have a whole group of Marines, but what they need is pilots because the Marines don't get killed. The pilots are the ones who go fly and get shot down. And remember, pilots can do everything because on the first prison episode, when they were calling in the sniper, it wasn't one of the Marines. It was Starbuck was the sniper. And I'm sitting there thinking... Wait, you got Marines? You're telling me one of them's not trained? Yeah. So pilots are pretty much like, you know, the military guy. And as they've established, it's the ruling class, the elite class. It's the military guys. I'd just like to see a little bit different aspect of the military. It goes back to my thing where I, I wish there was one other cool ship, not a refinery ship that's a big floating block, but something cool that you would want to draw. You know, if you were in school or, you know, when I was a kid, at least I'd draw stuff. I want to see, a, like, a new ship. I want to see... I drew stuff all the time, too, but I was so bad that all I could draw were the block ships. <laughs> I need you drew the Death Star. Ship. I need more block <laughs> <ships>. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Right. Uh, Big circle with a hole. Okay. And, of course, he has his own theory about the final five. I assume it's a he. I'm sorry if it's a she. Anders, Ty, Tori, and Tyrol, and anyone else that can hear the music is descended from the 13th tribe who sent an expedition to the 12 colonies earlier in history and left people behind to observe. So who's number five? I don't think we know yet. If you go, but just noodling it, if you go with who the first four are, it was all the big resistance people. So that would kind of lead me to believe... Except for Tori. Well, yeah, Tori was in the Resistance. Well, never mind. Well, who was, Tori, who, who was Tori really working with when it came to, though, with the Resistance? Who does number two work for? Number one. Yeah. So it seems like Rosalind would kind of be an early favorite. I don't think they'll make Rosalind a Cylon. And if they do, they would definitely have to explain stuff because how do Cylons get cancer? Yeah, I definitely don't think it's her. Well, the Cylon could get cancer just as easily as the, all the Cylons right, they all call the died on that virus okay. with the buoy. And well, Anders was, had pneumonia back at the beginning of okay. that one's... Well, who else could define... Okay, if you're shooting down Rosalind, who else could it be? Am I I'm going with Data. Because, I mean, he was like an integral part of the Resistance. That's true. I'm That's going true with Data. Would, it would fit that theory. Just along the lines of people that they always choose to be a silent just because it would be the most ironic he would be a good choice because he was the one that like you said was in the resistance he worked with and then against baltar so it would be one of those big ironies tyrell ty and anders were all on that little like star chamber thing that was like checking people out the airlock too weren't they yeah fantastic i don't think tori uh, was on i think jammer should be the fifth cylon <laughs> Well, no, Tori wasn't on. It was the military. Okay, all the military Cylons were on that little star chamber. Right, Tori okay. was back on the. No, you're right. I do remember that. would be poetic. I don't know if you heard what, what Brian just Jammer. said, but Jammer yeah. should be a Cylon. That would be hysterical. Because we really. You come cool. back and go, Ty, what the hell, man? <laughs> I thought we were brothers. <laughs> okay, and closing up some of this email and whatnot, we had. A post on our forums from Clucky, who wondered if we would cover fanfic. And to this point, I have not really seen or been aware of BSG fanfic. I know Firefly has a pretty active community uh, for that. But she provided a bunch of links, which I will put on our website. Basically, there's fanfiction.net. There's live journal sections that have a lot of fanfic for that. The only thing, I am not opposed to fanfic. The only part I really don't like or don't care about is the shipper stuff where various people hook up with other people. I don't like that at all. You know me. I'm not too thrilled about the whole love story stuff. And I'm a girl. I think we get enough of it as it is on the show. Yeah. I would bet that there are fanfic episodes or stories that probably handle the whole Starbuck, Lee, Duala, Anders thing better than the actual writers did. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. I mean, it's a low bar, but I bet they're better out there. <laughs> okay, how about some BSG news? The DVD for Season 3, if you're wondering when that's coming out, this is based off, again, the Bear McCreary blog. He mentions that the soundtrack for this season is going to be released around the same time as the Season 3 DVDs, and that's going to be, according to him, in mid-August. We still have a date, do we, for the HD version no of Season 1? Yet. I wish they'd come out Sometime this year, but no date. HD you speak of? It looks really good on looks, the TV. Yeah. For those of us who don't have one, who, I don't who, care. Who, don't <laughs> have one, who are waiting for them to be reasonably priced uh, all the time. Well, here's a question just for some of us low-tech. Do you know if Battlestar Galactica is coming on VHS? <laughs> beta. <laughs> beta. Oh, no, no. I've, I dropped beta. Oh, you did beta? Yeah, last year we dropped it. 
<laughs> they never updated the movies. It's and annoying. is the soundtrack coming out on 8-track? <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to put out a soundtrack with a Dylan song, don't you owe it to everyone <laughs> to have an 8-track version? Yeah. Okay, we covered a lot of stuff. There's actually stuff we still didn't get to, but we, t- we have to wrap this up. We'll have another episode in the next week or so where we do the bottom of page two. This has been the Galactic Quorum, episode 18. Our email address is gquorum at gmail.com. Our voicemail, 206-2020-BSG. Leave us a voicemail message. And our website, galacticquorum.com. Send us some more feedback. Give us your theories. So until next time, bye-bye. Bye. So say we all. It's a potty mouth. It was never a while. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Did you wash your hands? <laughs> no. Not on my microphone. <laughs>